0: Hello, everybody. My name is Giuseppe. Welcome to episode 12 of the Horror Fiends podcast. My name is John, actually. I'm joined by my two schlubby hosts, Chris and Sauce. What's going on tonight, fellas?
1: Good evening, John. Uh, Or should I say Giuseppe? Yeah, Giuseppe. You start Giuseppe talk early, John. You know we got to save that for later.
0: Oh yeah, I'm all I'm all jazzed and horned up to talk about Giuseppe in this movie. Um, It was going to be an interesting, spirited debate, but uh, that segment will be led by a very special guest of ours. He is very special in every way. I can't stress how special our friend Adam is joining us today on the podcast. How are you doing today, Adam?
2: What's going on, boys? Thanks for having me on.
0: (laughs) Oh, you've been, this has been a long time coming. Actually, it really hasn't been because we just added your, we just added your marble, not even a couple weeks ago. And it won relatively fast in a very surprising fashion because you won it one time. And then because of a bunch of lag, we had to run the race again. And then you won again.
2: I don't know what to say. Yeah. I don't know if we told you that,
3: Adam, but, uh. We, we ran it back twice, and you won it both times in the marbles out of 29 marbles. Really? <laughs> so twice in a row. Because was it? it wasn't. It was, a, no, it was just it was your just wild playing. card and right. the marbles. And we <laughs> ran two different races, and it won it two times in a row. And we said we, we have to honor it. So here we are. That's beautiful. And here we are. Yes.
0: And just so everyone knows, the rules of the Kavo wild card are basically if that marble wins, Adam gets a pick of. The entire lexicon of fucking horror movies. He could have picked anything, and uh, you made a great choice, I think. With Smile, um, Smile so, came too. out twenty twenty two. Why did you pick it? Just out of curiosity, what, what what led you to it?
2: Um, I don't know that that just kind of scrolling through a bunch of trailers, oh. obviously, because I had quite the selection. Um, it was creepy. I don't know. It looked. It, it seemed like a new concept too. So, you like the There's creep range. factor? Yeah, definitely creep factor. Nice. And it paid off.
0: Nice. Well, uh, let's start this podcast off on the right note, and uh, we are going to uh, rate this fucking movie poster. Um, Sauce. Would you like to narrate what you're seeing in this fucking movie poster for the for the audience that are blind? I
3: Sure, can. Um, so it is essentially, um, someone wrapped in a body bag. It's a girl. Um, she has a very creepy smile. Um, kind of some cuts across her face. Um, and that's really it. There's someone. There's like a hand at the bottom, like a someone with a glove on, assuming they're like just wrapping away her body, doing an autopsy or something. But um, it's pretty straightforward. You want me to give it a score now? You want me to lead us off?
0: Yeah, um, lead us off. Tell me what you think. Also, there's that tagline on the top. Uh, Once you see it, it's too late. Right. And then we got this gigantic-ass smile font in all red. Um, Yes, indeed. It's pretty simple.
3: Yeah, to be honest with you, this is out of like some of the the movie covers and posters we've seen. This is honestly a little bit underwhelming. So I'm going to give it a A 2.5 out of 5. Nice. Somewhere in the middle. Just pretty basic. Not anything crazy.
0: Nice. Um, Chris, what do you think?
1: About the same, but I'd like it a little bit more. I like the tagline. I've said before on the show that I like movie posters that have a tagline. It's a pretty solid tagline. Good red font. The only thing I don't like is uh, the body bag. That doesn't really tie too much into the movie, I guess. I mean, the victims typically are smiling as they're dead, but... (laughs) Um give it a three point one.
0: Alright. Cool. Uh Cavo, tell me what you're thinking about with this movie poster out of five.
2: I'd probably give it uh definitely a three point five, I would say. Alright. I'd say it kind of uh introduces you to the movie a little bit. I, I do like the tagline, I do agree with Chris there. I think posters with a tagline are solid. Um, but yeah, definitely got the creep factor going. It's got that creepy face poking through the body bag. So, you know, people are dying, obviously horror movie, but, uh, medical glove, something to note, especially when considering like the first couple minutes, you know, well the whole movie, but, um, yeah, I would say 3.5, 3.5.
0: All right. I'm going to give this one, uh, for me, this is one of the more simple concepts. Um, this is like. I think it does a decent job of, you know, telling you that there's going to be a people are going to be fucking smiling in this movie and people are going to be fucking dying in this movie. So it kind of leads you right down, uh, right down the yellow brick, brick road. But um, I don't really fucking like this one. I think it's kind of, uh, I think it's pretty mid. I'm going to give this one like a like a one point nine. Um, I think there could have been something a little more inventive than just this bitch in a body bag. So. Um, and she didn't even turn out to be that much of a character in this movie. so.
2: That is true.
0: Yeah, that's all right. I mean, it's decent. I, I just wish they could have done a little more with it. So, Anyways, that does it for our uh, movie poster segment. Um, now I'll go into a little bit of detail about the, uh, the plot. And um, basically, this is a... Um, I, sh- I think I should say, too... Uh, I always forget this fucking part. This is... A first-time watch for everybody here, correct?
1: Obviously, yes. This movie came out on September 30th, John.
0: Yes. Um, This is a brand spanking new movie. So this is less than, uh, if you're watching this way in advance, this is less than a couple months old here. And um, it's definitely the newest movie we've recorded to date. So, yeah, first-time watch for all of us here. Um, I think we've only had that happen a couple of times, actually, out of the, uh, this is the first This is episode 12, so I think we've only had it happen like once or twice before. So we got some new territory coming in for the uh, Horror Fiends podcast. Um, But the movie starts off with a rather uh, strange shot of a woman who is face down in bed sideways, who has been uh, partaking in the smoking of copious amounts of darts, and she has been uh, popping plenty of perks she is a huge uh little pump fan by the uh by the look of her and uh we cut to her daughter who uh seemingly has just watched this person who we can kind of assume is her mother fucking just OD in her own bed then we have a pretty stark jump cut to her this little girl as an adult who is now a doctor uh working at a hospital her name is Rosie Cutter do I have that right?
3: I thought it was just Rose. Yeah, it's Rose. It's
2: just Rose.
0: Oh, okay. It's, it's Rose. It's Rose. Rose Cotter. Fuck. And
3: I yeah. also don't think she's a doctor. She's like some sort of a psychiatrist, right? Well, she's a doctor. They refer to no, her as a doctor.
1: Dr. Cotter. A doctor. Okay.
3: Yep. So she is a doctor
0: functioning at this hospital, and uh, we sort of get introduced that she is a uh, sort of like a psychotherapist or she's sort of like an evaluator of – I don't think psychotherapist is the exact word for her – but she is basically a like. A... No,
2: she's a psychiatrist. Oh, okay, she's a psychiatrist. She's working psychiatrist. in like okay. a, um, kind of like an ER mental health setting. Right,
0: type it's a crisis of deal.
2: That's that's essentially what it's functioning is. Yeah. Right,
0: right. Um, so yeah, we sort of get introduced that she is working at this hospital. She's a doctor. Um, she first meets this student named Laura Weaver, who uh, is introduced as a PhD student. Um this girl is the girl on the movie poster, um, so you kind of, if you've seen the movie poster, you see seen the trailer, you might recognize her right away. So this student comes in and there's a one-on-one sit-down with um, Rosie, or Rose, I keep calling her fucking Rosie. So uh, d- the doctor and Laura have a sit-down. Um, they sort of introduce this girl who um, is a student who just witnessed her art history professor die by suicide by bludgeoning his own Head with a hammer um which is pretty spooky thought laura claims that um actually i i'm skipping right over uh our boy carl so at first actually
2: we're kind of missing out on carl here
0: yeah well fucking carl is just a uh he's just a goober who uh is basically just like repeating like i'm gonna die she's gonna die you're gonna die like over and over again and um she pretty much is just like, all right. Like she kind of dismisses him. as like, Oh, that's just Carl. He's, he's out of his mind. Uh, even though he's sort of saying that, yeah, there's something there's death that's going to happen in this movie. So a little bit of foreshadow because of Carl. And then, um, then we get introduced to Laura. The And PhD she says he's student.
2: harmless too, even though he's yelling. He's right. Yelling things.
0: Right. Laura back to Laura. So we kind of, basically that scene is just sort of a setup for laura so laura comes in here and is a little more lucid than carl is explaining to dr rose that essentially she is seeing things like seeing like an entity that is out for her no one will believe her and that this thing is going like coming after her stalking her and that she is going to die and then we sort of transition into uh what i would consider is a great opener to the scene where it seems as though Uh, Laura sees something behind Rose that immediately takes her to the ground in fear and she's screaming Um, and there's like this dark shadow that kind of moves past Rose and goes after Laura Uh, Rose or the audience we can't see anything going on but immediately goes over to Rose or sorry to Laura and um, basically possesses her off camera and then Rose calls for help She sees Laura just standing there with a gigantic fucking smile on her face. Uh, Clearly, something is up with this bitch. And uh, she has a shard of, I think it's like a broken pot or piece of glass. Yeah, there was like a
2: pot that fell and broke. A flower pot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. And she she kills herself right in front of the doctor by slitting her throat with this uh, sharp piece of glass or pot, potted plant fucking carves herself from her left ear all the way to the other side of her neck and just offs herself right in front of Rose and there's some very effective uh sound effects and then Rose is clearly traumatized by this chick just you know offing herself right in front of her like this right away um we're sort of opened up with a kind of a banger of a scene sort of setting the tone that there's something going around killing these people and uh we can't see it and it gives people a smile before they die. Um, and then we go into uh, a pretty dope fucking scene where they introduce the, on, the movie we should, credit.
2: We should stop there and just, like, talk about the intro.
0: Kavo, is this your fucking podcast? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> Jesus oh, Christ, ahead. we let him on for one episode and he starts taking the thing over.
1: No, I mean, yeah. John, you were... You were right. They go to the title screen there, so they, they go. They go right to the, the to opening about credits,
0: about which was actually a really dope scene, in my opinion. I like the opening credits was, quite a bit.
2: That was a sick intro. Yeah, yeah.
0: We'll come back to that in a little bit once I finish with this, because that was. Okay. I feel like this opening scene set the movie off with a bang, in my yep. opinion. Oh, yeah. um, so, I mean. anyways, um, after the opening scene, this girl is dead. Laura is dead, and Rose is sort of coping with what she just witnessed. Her uh, supervisor. Whose name is Doctor Morgan Desai? He's sort of like the head of the hospital, I believe, or at least of the uh, psychiatrist wing. He's sort of the head. Demands to give her um, a week off, um, as sort of a, um, I guess. I don't know. I don't. Does he? Does he give her a week off right away, or does he? Does she kind of stick around at the hospital?
2: She sticks around for like a day, like a day yeah. or two, and then she starts. Like, well, I think it was a day. I think it was the next day. She right
1: so she gets questioned by the cops then she goes home comes back to work I think the following day and then that's when he tells her to go home again. Right yeah right. So yeah, there's basically she is not she
0: they sort of established that she is not a hundred percent after seeing what she just saw and in, in, with Laura. So um, she's given a week off. We are um, taken right back to her very nice house. Um, it's revealed that she has a fiance. Um, And she has a sister um, who is off screen, but we sort of introduce a little bit of the supporting characters here. Um, Rose um, is sort of established as a wine drinker and she almost immediately starts seeing um, hallucinations of Laura just standing in like the dark corners of her house. And then uh, there's a jump scare where basically her husband comes home. His name is Trevor. He is a total dickhead but we'll get to that in a little bit uh fiance yes fiance um so these hallucinations they seem to kind of continue here there's a couple of scenes where oh they also have a cat named mustache who gets introduced i should say as she's driving back from the hospital they have this scene with the upside down camera shot uh, as she's driving in a car and chris i know we watched we watched midsummer together did this give you any midsummer vibes at all
1: there was a lot of points in this movie that gave me Midsummer or Hereditary-type you know, type vibes. So yes. I would agree with that. I'm glad you were on the same wavelength as me. Yeah. But, um, John, you were talking about it, uh, Mustache the Cat. So his uh, big part is where she gets told to go take a week off, goes back home drinking her wine. And I believe that's the night that she has the alarm happen in her house. Her uh, home alarm goes off. Right. And her back
0: door is open. I don't think we ever really get that addressed or not, but um, it just sort of goes along the lines of she is starting to hallucinate a little bit. Um, Anyways, um, we sort of go, we cut back to the hotel, or sorry, the hospital, and we kind of get introduced to this guy. His name is Joseph, uh, or sorry, Joel. I'm confusing my fucking uh, Joes from horror movie fiends, or (laughs) horror fiends here, so... Uh, Joel is sort of introduced as a ex-boyfriend of Rose who is asking for her. He just, he doesn't really have a role just yet. You just kind of have to know that he is an ex-boyfriend who's sort of coming back around to check on Rose. And um, he's a detective. Yeah, and he's a detective, Slash which comes cop. into play much later.
1: Right.
0: Yes. There's this dinner scene that, uh, her, uh, Rose, her fiance, her sister, Holly, and, uh, her husband. They're sort of introduced as these really shitty fucking uh, suburban, sheltered-ass people, kind of annoying people, and Rose really can't deal with them at this moment. She kind of flips her lid on them in an argument.
2: Her boyfriend sticks up for her, too. Yeah, her bit.
0: boyfriend is sort of introduced as a supporter right
2: away. Yeah, kind of just helps like build their character. It's because
3: they were kind of like shitting on Rose and her job, like you need to get out of that dirty hospital, you work on Saturdays
2: they were just it's a very stressful job the job itself oh yeah and like obviously like they they, it's pretty obvious in the movie too that it takes up most of her time right exactly so she's clearly dedicated and loves her patients like that's very clear
0: um i think from here basically the next significant scene that really happens is rose goes to buy um now that she has this time off she goes to buy a uh, birthday gift for her sister holly's son uh whose party's coming up and she buys him a train from like a toy shop. Um then um from there I think that's actually Chris where we have the scene where the um the hallucination happens again where she starts drinking the wine,
1: if I'm not mistaken. Right, yeah, from from where you're going. That's now the second night where she's yeah. drinking again. Sets off her own alarm type deal and she basically has the cops called to her house because her alarm goes off and has to kind of go through that night. But, um, she starts to realize that, you know, something is amiss here and she goes to listen back to the recording of her interaction with Laura. And that's kind of where she starts to get on the trail that, you know, something's wrong with her now.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, um, there's another like nighttime scene at her house where she is listening to the audio of, um, what happened and she kind of hears a whisper saying her name um in like the very fine audio right before um Laura carves a nice little smile on her in her face um and then there's another like a very i think it's Laura jump scares the fuck out of her um and it basically the what you need to know is after Laura dies she sees a long string of hallucinations um and that sort of leads up to this birthday party for her nephew where um, we should also mention too that Cavo, uh, Sauce, and I watched together. Chris uh, watched Solo, but
1: we so – um, You did watch with them, John. I thought you were doing your own thing yesterday. Yeah, he got out a little bit later. Like yeah, he, he got up, around
2: 8. I kind of caught up at work for a bit. Yeah,
1: that would have been, been too late for me, but I digress. John, real quick before we talk about – the birthday party, which is one of my favorite parts of the movie. I just want to mention that before that she goes to see her own therapist. um, One that they kind of allude that she hasn't seen her own therapist in a while. So she goes, talks to her therapist and is trying to make a little bit of sense of what's been going on since she saw Laura kill herself. So that's just all I want to say. We get introduced to Rose's therapist and she'll come back later. But yeah, the, uh, the birthday party. Tell me about it.
0: Right. Okay. So, At this birthday party, there's this uh, little fucker who is uh, the son of Holly, and uh, I don't know how old he's turning, like maybe fucking 10 or something like that, but uh, he's getting all of his presents. Seems to be a pretty normal birthday party, and we cut to Rose, and fellas, we picked up right away that something fucked was going to happen at this party. There There was no doubt about it, and they have this really interesting scene where they're singing happy birthday, and it just keeps... Everyone's mouth keeps moving along with the song, but the audio seems to freeze and start repeating. Um, it was like an effect I've never really seen before, but I thought it was pretty cool. And that's kind of when you know right that away that yeah. something is uh, a miss here. And um, we eventually cut to uh, our boy, wh- whatever that little fuckers. I should probably get his name here. The little kid. It's like Lucas, it might sure. be a Lucas. Fucker. I don't. His think name is Jackson. Mean, sorry, did anyone named Lucas. Out his right? name is Jackson, and. Uh, he goes to open the gift that Rose got him, which should be a train that she purchased. But I, uh, I sniffed this one out from a mile away because, uh, well, you see, old Mustache. Well, he went missing, and uh, we we all knew that some, you know, Mustache was going to show up somewhere. And sure enough, Rose made the mistake of accidentally gifting the corpse of old Mustache to her nephew. So basically, this bitch us is starting to lose her goddamn mind when she gifts a fucking cat to her nephew, and uh, everyone at the party is traumatized, they're all looking at her like she's uh, fucking insane, Um, which basically this will last for the entire rest of the movie. And uh, she, in her, basically in her stunnedness, accidentally trips and falls back over a glass table and just embeds her arms with glass, leaving her a bloody mess in front of this entire party. Um, so obviously this is not a good look for Rose. Um, and it sort of puts pits the rest of her family, particularly her sister, against her. Basically for the rest of the movie after this very fucked up uh, party that she just caused. Yeah, so from here they take her to the hospital to get her uh, patched up from this glass injury. And they sort of have like a bit of a evaluation of her. And they kind of tell her like what's going on. You know, like, people are starting to get a little bit concerned. Um, What else? Rose. Okay, so from here, there's sort of a rift that's created between herself and her fiancé. And they have this long conversation in the car. Her fiancé basically tells her that, um, I mean, we were talking about this during the movie. It's like, what a fucking dickhead. Like, he immediately is just, like, criticizing her and calling her nuts after she's trying to explain that. There is something that's controlling her. Um, I should also mention during the birthday party scene, she saw the smile, a, like a small child. Um, I'm not exactly sure who this is supposed to be, but it's basically uh, just a little kid with a gigantic smile, just staring at her like, at her, yeah. like a statue before she falls. Yep.
3: Um,
0: so essentially there's this rift now between herself and her, her fiance, um, he's an asshole, he starts to say that I looked up your family history and, like, guess what, your family has mental illness, and it's kind of a fucked up thing to say.
2: Oh, yeah, that um, dude was a piece of shit.
0: So Yeah, he sort of itch, sure it doesn't take long to sort of find out that her fiancé is a complete asshole.
2: Um, yeah, he just starts, like, yeah, af- after she went to the hospital, like, that was, it was all downhill from there. For both of them
0: right yeah. right um rose continues to sort of research like what's going on with like why she's feeling the way that she is so she spends a little more time researching what happened with uh laura who um also you know had a smile and apparently witnessed her professor die so she goes over to the house of the widow the wife of this professor who bludged himself with a hammer we get a really gnarly shot of it's like a quick flash of his face in the body bag. Um, his like mouth is clearly like been caved in a little bit. It was and his a really, jaw's busted. And...
2: It was gross, but like it was a really well done scene.
0: Oh yeah, the makeup is very good. They um,
1: this particular. Yeah, they kind of slide that right in. It they, it surprises the viewer. They're like they were talking about the husband and how he brutally you know killed killed himself. A lot of the something you haven't mentioned, John. Is all these victims they're killing themselves? You know when they have the smile and yes. they're being possessed. So and yeah, they cut yep. real real quick to it. It's like a half a frame basically, and it's it, it's effective.
2: And he bludgeoned right. himself, so you can uh-huh. just imagine that
3: too. Yeah, just to touch on that scene as well, and kind of describe what it was for that half a second. It was a dude, his face is bludgeoned in, and uh, his tongue's hanging out. His mouth is all like gashed open, like a huge hole. It was just it was brutal. It was definitely disgusting. Yes.
0: Um, So basically, I think the big takeaway from this scene is to sort of, uh, Rose sort of makes this link between suicide and this demon slash ghost or affliction, whatever you want to call it, um, between if someone witnesses someone commit suicide, they basically sort of, this ghost transfers to them. Yeah. So anyways, this doctor clearly had been, he has drawings all over his fucking house. He's been like trying to sketch this ghost and they all look a little bit different, but they all have a big old smile on their face. Um, so anyways, we sort of established this thing as kind of like a paranormal type of, it's, it's more of like a ghost demon that gets passed than it is like a, um, something that's based in reality. I think you could say, um, Anyways, this wife kicks her out because she thinks that she's some sort of fucking freak, um, which is another common trend of this movie: is that everybody's yeah, everybody, like, everybody is insane. She thought she was like
2: a groupie, like uh, you know, you know, like those, yeah. She thought she was yeah, like a those fanatic. Were fanatics that like followed serial yeah. killers. She thought she thought she was one right. of
0: them. Right. So Rose, after sort of being distanced from her fiance, who sort of snapped on her and said she's genetically. Fucked in the head. Uh, she just naturally moves away from him. Which I'm glad. And goes back to this dude Joel. Who is a cop as we introduced before. She goes over to his house. Um, and they sort of go. And they further this idea. That. Um, there's not just. Uh, one, it's not like a one off incident. Or a two off incident. There's a long chain of like. I think they trace it back to 20 people. Um, and she uses his fucking. Police uh, portfolio to look it up. Five, nothing. <laughs> I'll cut that out. Or I might leave it. Who Let's the fuck ready. knows? Let's go. <laughs> um, I lost my train here. Oh, okay. Let me make this quick point here about Joel. So, Joel, when we get first introduced to this motherfucker, he keeps telling Ro- Rose, like, you know I can't do that, like, I can't look at those files, and then Rose just goes, please, and then he's like, alright, and then he does it, and there's about seven or eight different instances in this movie where Joel is, like, shaking his head, and is like, no, no, I can't do that, and then all she does is ask again, and he just fucking does it. The point is, Joel is like a cop who has access to insider information, um, and sort of becomes invested in the He sort of becomes in the know about this string of suicides and how they're kind of related. What else? Then she goes back to her sister's house, I believe, um, and is sort of going to explain what's going on and apologize for the birthday party. And she immediately just starts, like, roasting her sister for being, like, a stuck-up, like, housewife who doesn't want to listen to what she has to say and... It, she kind of like burns the bridge with her sister, which I didn't think was a particularly great move considering she came to her sister asking for help. And she ended up just severing the, their relationship even more. Yeah, That was horrible. Um, Yeah. That was not a great move, but so, Laura or sorry, Rose is at this point sort of losing her shit. John. And that could be a reason why.
1: Yeah. John real quick before they, uh, before she goes to her sister's house to kind of talk to her and try to make amends before she roasts her. Um, she goes home first just to stop home, and she finds her fiancé there with her therapist. Like, they basically try to stage the intervention. She was having none of it and just left right away. But it just kind of, again, furthers that her fiancé is against her and that they are basically no longer together. He can't do it anymore, and that her right. former therapist is extremely concerned about her well-being.
0: Right. And the therapist, I keep cutting out the therapist, but she I guess she's important. She is sort of explaining that everything that's happening with these hallucinations is because her mother, the, the trauma that happened when she watched her mother OD was never dealt with. And that's why she's hallucinating. Um, and right away, Rogue sort of rejects this idea and sort of says, no, there's, you know, she sort of believes that there's something more connected with Laura, the first girl um than anything it has to do with her mother um so yeah from here um rose like i said she visited her sister burnt that bridge um there's this really cool scene where right as rose is leaving her house holly uh like walks up to her car and uh her neck's just fucking like basically just fucking Laffy taffies yeah, it's itself swivel, but... and like pops right in front of the window <laughs> yeah, <that> was, <laughs> for a pretty good jump. It was like a jump scare.
2: That was a pretty good jump scare. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: yeah. Yep. yep. It's a, it was definitely a pretty effective jump scare. Um, so obviously that's a hallucination and, um, they sort of tease Jackson watching Rose like loser shit, but that never really comes back again. Um, anyways, from here, what happens? This is sort of like a a lull in the movie. I can't really remember.
1: after she leaves her sister's house, she gets a call from Joel kind of uh, furthering that he did some more research. And yes, there's like a a strong link between people killing themselves, the witness, and then within a week, the witness will kill themselves sometimes as early as four days after witnessing the suicide, they will then go kill themselves. So they find out though there's one person in this kind of link of people that did not kill themselves, but he killed somebody else. So they go talk to him while he's in holding in jail. Right. Right. So
0: yeah, this, this fucker, Robert Talley is his name. Um, somehow is the only one who survived, um, witnessing a suicide via the smile, the smiley. Um, so essentially they go to interview him at jail. Um, he sort of explains that, um, I this this was kind of I didn't really like this loophole. It didn't really serve a whole lot, and it never really came back. But basically, because he murdered someone else, and there was a key witness to the murder, it can continue the the Smiley chain without taking out old Bob Tally. So I
2: think they said, too that it was like it needs trauma to right. spread.
3: Did we find something else? I want to touch on with this. Did we find out if that witness? That watched um, Tally kill someone else did that person kill themselves? So yes, I think on. I think it's okay. just
0: implied that they continue the string,
3: right? Yeah. So as long as someone's being killed, um, once they're infected with whatever this curse is, right, it just continues on with a witness. Right. Yep. The
1: witness has to experience true trauma by witnessing somebody die, whether it be via a gruesome suicide or a gruesome murder, which is what Tally did. He just like brutally killed somebody. And that's what he told Rose to do was you have to brutally kill somebody in order to save yourself and pass it along.
0: Right. Yep. And this was the part also that I'm like, all right, I think I've seen this movie before. It was an old movie that we watched on the old podcast here called Lights Out, where the idea that there is a ghost who essentially is just mental illness. Like, I was just getting vibes of that. with, But instead of mental illness, this time it's trauma. And uh, I kind of couldn't get that um, out of my head for the rest of the movie after this particular scene. After they straight up say, trauma is the, <laughs> is the ghost. Chris uh, is rolling his eyes. Continue. So, Continue. Anyways... Also, I should mention too that Rose, when she, um, like, the reason she got access to this dude, Bob Talley, was by asking Joel, who was just like, No, that's insane! Oh, what is going on right now? Get that shit out of my face! (laughs) It's gonna be fucking 12 to nothing. Um, So, what was my point? Oh, yeah, so Rose, like, the only reason she got access to Bob Talley is because Joel has a connection at this jail. And at first, Joel was like, no, I'm not doing that. You're crazy. I'm not getting you a date with this guy. And then she's like, please.
1: John. Okay. John, to your point about Joel being a pushover when it comes to Rose's request, I understand. Joel's a simp. I I understand. Like, I I get your gripe with it, but you got to understand, they kind of set it up with that scene where he shows up to the hospital after first responding to Laura's death. And he's just kind of checking up on her. So they kind of set him up a that more he is still out. not over her and he still has feelings for her and that he's willing to do certain things to be able to kind of get back with her. So I get that he's obviously just kind of doing whatever she asks on the second ask, but they imply that he is desperate to try to get back with her.
0: Right. Okay. But, That's fair. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is my, my observation with Joel is that he usually shoots her down right away. And then she just asks again, and then he just does it. Um, if he just if he just did what she asked, I would also I think I would like that a little bit better. But anyways, this is a small little grievance I have with old Joel. I think that's fair. Um, so that yeah, I just something I picked up on. Right. Um. So here, um, Rose is like Joel was like, what happened in there? What did he tell you? And Rose is like, that guy's out of his fucking mind which is like the 15th time we've heard that this movie. Um, and so he just like, Oh, all right. Goes along with that. Um, then we have another scene. Um, Chris, I think maybe you alluded this to this earlier where now the therapist has been called to her house and uh, by the fiance and uh, Rose is just, you know, at this point she pretty much just like, is like fucking had it with her fiance goes off on her therapist for, you know, being nosy and sort of sticking her neck or sticking her nose into her business a little bit, even though it is pretty clear that she does need more therapy than she's currently getting. Um, Anyways, then basically, um, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this, maybe this is the scene where the therapist comes over herself. Am I mixing up my scenes here, guys?
1: Yeah, John. So let me, let me hop in. So she, she, after realizing that she needs to kill somebody in order to save herself, Um, she's kind of, um, grappling with that at her home and she, what she believes to be her therapist shows up at her door and she lets her in and starts a conversation with her because therapist is like, I'm worried and I will call the cops if you don't let me in. So the conversation starts, but as she's talking to the therapist, she gets a phone call and the phone call is the real therapist. And she realizes she's just been talking to the demon that's possessing her. And right it's kind of a, a confrontation scene. The, the therapist does the signature smile. And yeah. that just kind of starts like, yeah, it, it, clo- it closes the loop with her therapist essentially being like, OK, you know, the therapist has has clearly realized that there's issues. But, you know, it's kind of beyond that. It's, it's gone too far already. And at this point, um, Rose decides that she needs to attempt to murder somebody in order to help free herself. And that's when she goes back to the hospital.
0: Right, so she goes back to the hospital where she sees her boy Carl, and uh, she goes in there with a knife, and uh, her supervisor catches her right about to kill Cousin Carl, and um, this I thought was another pretty dope scene. Um, This, we uh, find out, is actually a hallucination, Um, but we don't really know that, because she is just stabbing old Carl right in the gut, and uh, Carl is just sort of like laughing along with her, and the scene goes off the rails, and the supervisor is like freaking out. And then he, as he's freaking out, just like unexpectedly, just starts like pulling his skin off of his own face. And then mm-hmm. she wakes up and realizes that once again she is a- she's still actually in the parking lot of the hospital, but that was not real. Um, so her-, her hallucinations are getting a little more uh, violent and, I guess, realistic. And um, that was a really good scene. I don't know. I thought that was a dope too, scene
2: just because. At that point, they've built it up so well where you don't really know what's a hallucination when crazy shit starts happening. So, like, y- you know that anything could be going down, but I don't know. She just put herself in that situation, too. Like, she ended up driving there with, with, knife. with the knife, yeah, and tucks it in her sleeve and goes right. to visit a patient. And Like, I don't know, like, everything. Like, once stuff like that starts happening, like, you can't even tell what's a hallucination.
0: Right. And I actually yeah. believe that because essentially I, her supervisor would have been the witness to Carl's murder. So I fully bought that, you know, that this was real. Like if it had just been her and Carl, maybe I would have expected it to be a hallucination, but the inclusion of her supervisor was a nice touch because, um, essentially she was going to pass on that to the supervisor, the, the demon to the supervisor there. Um, but then in actuality, the real supervisor catches her uh, chilling at the hospital parking lot when she should be off of work. So essentially, her supervisor calls in um, a, I guess, what would be the word? Like a police report or like a like a danger
2: report uh, out for her. There's an APB. Because she drives away yeah, from that, him. For, that's like a missing person. Yeah, an
0: APB, right. Because um, he saw her with a knife, actually. Um, that The one in her dream she used to kill yeah. Cousin Carl. She crashed, too, um,
2: actually, on the way out. They didn't show anything, but there was an audio. Yeah, they, there was a sound effect for her hitting a car on the way out.
1: Yeah, she's like peeling
0: oh. out of the parking yeah, lot. Yeah, so
2: she's already she's already going off the rails there.
0: Okay,
3: well she's been
2: going absolutely. off the rails. Yeah,
0: I mean she's been she's been she's been spiraling for a minute here, um, and then we sort of get like a scene where she drives. She decides to drive back to her family home, and she is sort of convinced now that. The only way that she's really going to deal with this is to go back and uh, face the trauma of her mother ODing in that house. So she goes back to her family home, which is just a decrepit, vacant house. But um, the mattress her mother died on is still inside. Um, meanwhile, Joel's trying to call her and obviously has probably received this APB. So Joel's calling and um, it seems as though he's probably the only one who is looking out for her at this point. Um, Anyways, she goes back inside. Um, She's looking around. She sort of waits for midnight. She gets like this kerosene lamp. Um, She chills there until she starts hearing uh, a voice coming from her mother's room. Um, It's actually a pretty cool scene where she sort of has like a discussion with uh, what she thinks is the ghost of her mother, maybe. Or maybe she realizes she's talking to the demon. It's not super clear. But there is like the ghost version of her mother. Sort of asking why she didn't help her when I when she asked her to um, call for help because she overdosed. Um, we sort of reveal that this mother was obviously a terrible mother, and that was the reason Rosie or Rose didn't fucking call her for didn't call for help for her mom. Um, so there's definitely some trauma mixed in there that kind of gets um, revealed to the audience there. Um, then we sort of go into this. Um, combat scene where the mother the ghost mother turns into this like eight foot tall version that looks sort of like a dude now um it's a really weird scene he just turns into a fucking like if you guys have ever seen uh the conjuring 2 it reminded me quite a bit of um it's what's the name of that fucking guy um damn there's there's a villain in that that looks very similar to To how the mother looks, Um,
2: mother, it's like the something man morphed into like this weird demon person, right? Massive.
0: So she, the demon, kind of reveals its like form is like this gigantic, very tall figure, Um, and she basically gets into a like a choke type of situation where the demon is choking her, and she grabs her kerosene lamp, whacks it over the head, uh, sets the demon on fire and um, burns to death pretty gruesomely in the childhood home, and Rose is able to escape, goes back to the apartment of Joel, where um, she sort of talks about how much she appreciates him, and just wants to be with him for a long time, and it's a, very, it's a very heartwarming scene, and then of course we get the big twist that she is not actually talking to Joel right now, she is still talking to Smiley. And from there, <laughs> it's revealed that that was sort of a gigantic hallucination again. She didn't actually leave the house. She is still inside of it. And the the monster is still alive. So now she escapes. And guess who's just pulling up to the scene outside the house right now? It's old Joel. Um, there is a another fucking face-off with the... Uh, the monster, except this time, it does not go as well for Old Rose because she's met her match here a little bit. Um, she goes back inside. The monster sort of peels back his own face and takes off the skin, and it's basically revealed. It's like this four or five mouthed figure that, like, all of them are smiles, and it's like doesn't have any skin. It's like clearly not of this world and uh there's this like uh, like awesome scene where the ghost or the the monster whatever you want to call it the smile just opens up her mouth stretches it way beyond any mouth should open and he just fucking hops right in there he hops right in the old rose suit and sort of takes over um and joel runs inside is trying to help bust down the door um the sound, the soundtrack, and effects in this scene again. This is basically the climax of the movie. Was was pretty dope in this scene, um, and uh, basically, we Joel goes in there, sees Rose with the basically a ton of kerosene on her head, and uh, she just like doused herself. She turns around and she's got a gigantic ass smile. So you know she's fucking done for, and uh, she lights herself up, and Joel sits there, and we watch uh rose burn through joel's like pupils uh, implying that joel now is the next possessor of this melee and uh the movie yes. ends that is the end of and the idiot of the smack. movie goes out
2: to joel she definitely warned him not to swing by what does he do he swings by right and what happens like, Right.
1: I'm so glad you said that because a big theme of pretty much all scary movies and all the ones we've watched is cops being absolute dumbasses. And Joel was so close to not doing that. He was he was being good for the whole movie, being helpful, kind of trying to be the one who's there for Rose. And then at the end, he does the one thing he shouldn't do, which is be there with her. She because Rose when she's at the hospital before she kills that guy realizes, oh, I don't have to kill somebody if I'm just alone. Nobody can watch me kill myself and the monster will die. But old Joe had to ruin it again.
2: Yeah. yeah. What, a, yep. what a beaut.
1: Yep. So
2: um, is there a, any scenes you guys would
0: like
1: to mention? Um, I would like to jump right back into that final sequence in the house, her Rose's childhood house. I mean, what a kind of 20 minutes or so, I guess it was to, to end the movie. I really enjoyed that part. And the house itself, it's old, run down, you know, very spooky looking. And it's a really good scene. Add some good ambiance to the whole just plot, you know, climax of her confronting her trauma with her mother, which I thought was a kind of a good resolution, only to realize it's just a demon she's talking to that's inside of her. Um, You're led to believe that she conquers the demon and has escaped. But then there's that scene back in Joel's apartment where Joel does the smile and says, I'm with you forever. That whole just ending in that house, I really much
2: enjoyed. I want to know what you guys thought of it. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was, I I thought it was a great conclusion because obviously, like the the demon comes out in its own shape with each person, but it has like that common form that John mentioned with like the many faces. That was a nasty scene. Um, but yeah, so like the demon taking the shape of her mom uh, for obvious reasons in the movie but uh that was definitely a good closing to it and again with the hallucinations i just thought it was really well done the way like even like you thought it would be a happy ending and then obviously it's a hallucination with joel and then he comes in and like i said does the stupidest thing you could possibly do and it's just a really unsettling ending but it works it works very well
1: they set themselves i agree
2: exactly yeah,
3: I was going to say as well, I don't think this movie would end well with a happy ending. Yeah. I think it needed You're something right, really yeah. fucked to to end it. So uh, I, I like the ending a lot. And I just think that uh, that scene with the, uh, the monster jumping inside of Rose was like one of a kind. And uh, it was just really, really messed up. I do have another scene as well. I don't know if you touched on this, John, that I wanted to bring up. Um, but one of the jump scares that got me the most was... When Rose was listening in on her laptop, she she went back. This is towards the beginning of the movie um, to the audio of Laura killing herself. Um, and She hears like there's just a scene where it shows her laptop. She's continuing to replay it back and increasing the audio um, to the and then someone just jumps up behind her after like three or four times of replaying it back, um, increasing the audio. I just thought that was it. Incredibly. Af-
0: I think that was Laura. I'm not super sure, because they
3: look
2: kind of similar. You're talking about who said her name? Yeah.
0: No, no, no. Who actually jump-scared her in that audio? That that was probably
2: Laura. I don't think she started seeing her mom yet at that point. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Right, but I just think that is... Go ahead, Chris.
1: Uh, I was just going to say that you know the audio that she's listening to, like like you said, she's kind of turning it up to try to hear it closer. John, you mentioned earlier that the audio that she's listening to actually says her name. I didn't catch that. I didn't have my audio that up that high. But the jump scare is then Laura in her in her bil- in her house screaming like bro, oh, Right. So I thought that was really good yeah. sauce.
3: Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, just man. gonna say I don't out of all the jump scares we have even though you knew it was coming, like you knew something's probably gonna happen here. Like we're increasing the audio, we're making it blatantly obvious, but there was just like no avoiding it. And it just it scared the shit out of me. I literally jumped for that scene. It was so loud. Um, and it just made you like focus in on the audio and stuff. I, I just, I just thought that yeah. one was really good. Yeah, that was neat. That was original. And you're right. We were expecting um, it
2: too, but it, it, like still like, yeah, good... but
3: there's nothing you could do about it. You couldn't avoid it. You just got to sit there and notes it's common, and It was still scary as fuck. So yeah. I just thought it was all done.
2: I think
0: the difference between this movie's jump scares and a lesser movie's jump scares like lights out is that the lights out ones um the the pacing that they happen at in this movie is very refreshing and the pace that they were happening at in lights out was a bit rapid and the scares themselves weren't near they were executed nearly as well the camera work in this was much better in terms of the jump scares um i think the actual like quality of the you know like the the jumps in terms of like the overall audio like the setting that it happens in just everything about it was just very good um i think like that's Mm -hmm. that's definitely a benefit of this movie is i think they're all very deserved and they kind of earn the jump scare with the setup and the suspense building is kind of what i'm getting at right now in this movie is just much they they made it come to or come together very well yeah I think as a whole movie, I think it comes together pretty good. Like, I think the tone that it sets in the opening scene is maintained, I think, pretty well throughout. Um, and it, it occasionally gets improved upon, I think, too. So that that is definitely a sign of a good movie. Um, so, yeah, I mean, is there anything else? I mean, I, I kind of want to transition us into nominating a Giuseppe right now. And let uh, <laughs> let Mr. Cavill tell give us his thoughts oh, I'll, on. I'll
2: give us i I'll give us a few for sure. There's a couple that I liked though. There was obviously the intro. I thought it was a strong intro. It was creepy. Starts off with that short little um like vision flashback of uh, the mom, and then you get Carl who you kind of brings us into the Giuseppe factor here. But he's sitting there and he's uh you kind of think he's going to play a big. Part in the movie but he's there just to kind of set the ambiance to the whole uh creep factor there <laughs> and yeah so like th- that whole thing and then obviously laura comes in that whole thing happens but i don't know it really like you said like it really did set the tone and they they maintain that throughout the whole movie and you really don't know what's going to hit you next this whole movie and and it's kind of the same with the intro but uh yeah what do you guys think about the intro?
1: I I really liked it and I think the movie slowed down after it a little bit. So the intro got me hooked. I right. was I was all in, like ready, just chomping at the bit to find out what was gonna happen next. And it slowed down a little bit, but the intro itself was fantastic. The um, depiction of Laura killing herself was very gruesome. You know, it's a rated R movie, so they did a good job of utilizing that. You know, a lot of a lot of blood, a lot of swearing in this movie and overall i really like the intro especially the the credit or title screen that they roll is really good too like we mentioned
3: yeah something i wanted to touch on as well we mentioned this after the end of the movie this is one of the longer movies we've watched it was almost two hours and um i know Chrissy said it kind of slowed down in the middle but i think it did a very good job of uh keeping you invested throughout like you were always i was always wondering what is going on and what's going to happen at the end of this thing so um, even though it's one of the longer movies that we watched, it definitely kept me on edge the, the entire time. It kept me invested.
2: And then there's the the birthday scene, the birthday party scene. I mean, yeah. the, that the, the way they kind of portrayed like someone with mental illness and like probably how they're treated by their family to an extent. You know, I feel like I feel like they portrayed that very well. And then like John, you mentioned this, like, like you just knew something was going to happen at this party, something's going down at this party and we had a feeling it was the cat as as we were watching it. But like I don't know, that that all came together full circle and that really just um that was definitely like her t- like big turning point where other people started viewing her or stopped viewing her as a respected doctor and started viewing her as just plain crazy. But um I think that whole scene was right like, just very well done and really moved the plot line forward too.
1: that's a good point. I think it's
0: time to nominate let's 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 try to pin a Giuseppe right here oh, boys. this is this is, perfect. This is gonna be an interesting debate here so Cavo, <laughs> you mentioned right away cousin Carl, and oh, yeah. um I think Carl hits a lot of the marks of the, of of a of what I want in my Giuseppe's. He does, Chris. Are there any Giuseppe's that stood out to you as you were watching this?
1: So, John, I'm I'm glad you mentioned Carl. Now, you've been referring to him as Cousin Carl. I don't think that's very fitting. I, I was referring to him as Crazy Carl, and he is Crazy Carl. But what? I just prefer Cousin Carl. Fair. And I think Crazy might be a bit mean because he was just a mental health patient. But that was, you know, the alliteration was there, and I and took he it. got abused. Um, so not,
2: let, let's uh, give a little shout out to Carl there for taking a nice beating. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he did. That was uh that was definitely abuse by a you know medical professional by what she did to him. We didn't really <laughs> touch on that scene. But um yeah, Carl was my first nominee and was very early on. My second nominee and my only other nominee is mustache the cat because his name is mustache. And
0: oh
1: I, yeah. I expect my Giuseppe's to have a mustache, so uh he's my other nominee.
0: That's a sleeper right there. That's a sleeper. <laughs> Sauce. So, uh, who was who was your uh, who do you want to pin the Giuseppe on?
3: I agree with Carl. I think it's also an honorable mention. We didn't talk about so uh, Rose's sister's husband is that dude? His name was Greg, right? Yeah, his name. Right? Let me Greg. get
0: his Greg. name. It is
3: Greg. Greg. Yeah. So so Greg was played the role of total simp and just was obedient to whatever his wife said he just eventually gave in throughout the entire movie and his small limited roles um so i think that dude could also be nominated as giuseppe so i don't know i don't think there was really a dominant one you could also say joel as well was a giuseppe um i I don't know i think this is a tough one for me to to really pinpoint the the true giuseppe john
1: i know you This, this is a tough one You liked Joel, didn't you say, as a Giuseppe?
0: I mean, when we started, when I first saw Joel get introduced, he was giving me all the vibes of a Giuseppe. Um, He was was picking him up and putting him down. He was trying to hit on his ex-girlfriend. He's a cop that does whatever she says if she asks him twice. Um, At the end of the movie, I think he's too much of a main character to really give him the Giuseppe this movie. I agree. I think the likes of a Carl or a Mustache... Or a Greg the Simp. I mean, all three of these guys really check off the boxes. And I, I even the fiance, oh, I, was say the fiance, um, fiance I can't even really remember that it, dude's yeah. name. I like a lot of <laughs> yeah. the male characters have lots of Giuseppiness in them. Um, even her supervisor kind of is a Giuseppe, but you know, I, I don't really want to give it to him because he didn't really act like a Giuseppe a whole lot. I think in terms of just like pure acting and and the role of the character, I think Greg the Simp probably best defines it. And then Carl. Um, if I were to nominate them, but I think the one thing we all had in common was that we all thought of Carl, and I think we should give this one to Carl. I I, think- unless you guys, you guys want to argue that.
1: I think Kavel gets the tiebreaker. I, I, I'm curious what his uh, number one Giuseppe is. Oh I agree.
3: Let's leave it up. I to always Kyle. end
2: up as the tiebreaker somehow. Um, well, for sure, it's definitely between Greg and Carl. And Carl does check all those boxes. I have to say I would have to, I would have to go with Carl here. Yeah. With a real close second for Greg though. Cause he, he did provide that comedic value. It's in, in some parts kind of loosen the tension a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Well, what, did, what did he say? He was very awkward. He said something. He was just a very awkward guy. <laughs> he,
0: he said something at the party. Um, what did he? Do you guys remember? He said oh. something ridiculous and sauce. You were like, "That is the most Giuseppe shit ever." And I can't remember. <laughs> I remember, what his remember quote him
2: saying was. that. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember the line though. But, but yeah, he says it. Yeah. You just kind of cringe a little bit. And you're like, "Oh, that's getting into the Giuseppe territory there." Oh, <laughs> well, man, this is gonna kill me.
1: At the end of the day, John, it doesn't matter. He's not
2: Giuseppe. It's Carl. Yeah. yeah, good Carl point. was, was Carl. introduced yeah. as the Giuseppe and I think he's gotta finish that way. Yeah. Yep, he went in a Giuseppe right. and he
0: went out of Giuseppe. No.
2: And we have our winner. Uh, we good.
0: have our winner. Um, Alright, let's I think we should uh we should keep keep moving right along here, and uh I think it's about time that we nominate the villain of this movie. Um I I guess I will lead us off first. I think this is going to be a fairly simple one. This will be the Smiley, or whatever you want to call the monster. We were referring to it as a, the Smile Monster or the Smiley, or I don't even know what the fuck you should call this Smiling thing. I don't Shana. know if it has a real name or not.
1: The Smiling Friend. Smiling Friend. Yeah, I would, I would refer to it as a demon of sorts that's kind of the best way to describe it because it essentially possesses a human um you know kind of in a twisted exorcist type way where it's a you know ancient spirit that is possessed now they do reference john that when they talk to the guy in the prison um what was his name mally or something Um, yeah bob tally tally yeah bob tally so he Mentions that he did some research and said he saw a case of it in Brazil, possibly not that it, you know, if it's the same one or if it's related. So they kind of imply that this demon has either been somewhere before or there's multiple versions of it. But it's 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 a demon that is possessing people by causing you know massive drama,
0: right? So once again, we have a villain who is just mental illness. Um, once again, this is another. Horror Fiends podcast telling you that if you have mental illness, you may as well pick up that kerosene tank and you just douse oh, yourself God. and set yourself ablaze. That'll get you right through the end of the movie.
1: I, I disagree, John, and this would be a a good time to say it. So I guess you could always call the, the suicide hotline, which I believe is 1-800-273-8255. I believe that is the number. But yes, this and i'll get into it more when i do my final review but this movie is very much centered around mental health which is a very you know uh, recent topic it's very popular now so it's it's it's, a trend, it's a, trendy yeah it's very fitting that this movie is in 2022 coming out so yes m- mental illness is portrayed in it does seem to be a, this movie
2: yeah, it does seem to be a little bit yep. trendy in like movies and stuff too I, th- I i think they did nail it in this movie though i th- i think they portrayed um, the relationships of everyone around them very well. Um, I did mention that already, but um, and her being a doctor and knowing, I mean, obviously there's like the irony there, like she's the mental health doctor and she ends up dealing with this, but um, like, like they, they did portray it very well of her kind of knowing what's going on, but still being or not being in control of what's going on and her struggling with that and kind of like seeing the other side of the coin, you know, and I don't know. I thought, I thought they did nail it though.
3: Yeah. And to your point, Kavo, even the end, uh, like when she thinks she has a grip on it and, and she doesn't. So it's just, I thought they did a really good job with it. As yeah, well, you're, the, yeah. You're yeah, You're right with like the hallucination
2: that. at the end too. Like, like that relief yeah, at, you kind of get at the get end. She, thought she
3: Yep. She, she, I thought they they made it very realistic, um, you know. Even when you think you have a grip on things, it's it's not the case. So, um, kind of a depressing way to end the movie, but I think a, a good ending because I I can't see this movie ending
2: anyway positively. John, so. I want to give an honorable mention villain to Joel because he had the opportunity to stop this demon and he did not. Yeah, he fumbled yeah. the bag. Good point.
1: So yeah, that is a... Sure. Uh, very, another movie with an uh, easy choice for the villain. It's pretty oh, yeah,
0: clear for
2: here.
0: sure. Yep. So, all right, we'll lock that one in. We'll lock in The, the Smiling Friend as the uh, the horror fiend's villain of the movie. Now we can uh, transition over to uh, the segment you've all been waiting for, the one that you've been creaming your pants about for the last 60 minutes. Um, well, guys, I after I watched this one, I was a little bit all over the place with my score because – I think there's there's a, there's certainly a lot of pros with this movie, and I think there's a lot of cons too. I think that's just what happens when you have a two hour movie. Um, I'm gonna save my score for last because I kind of want you guys to convince me. I want to hear your arguments, uh, so I'm gonna cock tease you, and then I will let. Um, I think we'll let the guest of honor lead us off here. Um, Kava, why don't you tell us, you know, what are the pros of the movie? What are the cons of the movie? And then give us a score out of five.
2: I would give this movie a four, not a five.
0: Four on the money. See, right on nice. the money.
2: I think as a horror movie, um, leaves a little bit to be desired. I think the jump—they—they they nailed the jump scares. They had that down, but I think it was a little bit cliche, like mental illness, demon, and everything. But to throw them a bone too, it was a pretty unique concept. That they can, at the, at the same time, you know, obviously that's a little contradicting, but at the same time, it was kind of a unique way of doing that concept. Is kind of what I'm trying to say. So I would give uh, that yeah. a four. But What's holding a, you
0: back from giving it the perfect five?
2: Well, that that would be why, but I I did rate it pretty. I don't know. I feel like four is kind of high for my scaling. Oh yeah. At least.
0: Oh, four is definitely high. That's that's a very that's a high endorsement. But I think right they there.
2: nailed so much of like in the film just on like a technical level. And I think it was really well written that I couldn't really justify giving it under a four, you know, not that that's I would good. though. Cause I that's, mean, like, like it was creepy. Like I, like I was feeling it, you know, very nice.
3: All right. Sauce, do you think you have an idea?
2: I do, um, and I'm in the
3: same boat as you, John. I was kind of all over the place with how I thought about this movie, but ultimately I thought it was is good. I really enjoyed it. I would definitely watch this movie again 100%. Um, I enjoyed it that much. Like I said, um, I, it was a two-hour movie. It was long, but it did keep me invested throughout. Um, like Cabo said, I thought the jump scares were really well. Um, I don't know how I've thought what I thought about the acting, um, I thought that Rose did a really good job. Some of the supporting casts were a little bit weaker um, throughout the movie. Um, so I don't really know how I feel about the acting. The camera work, though, however, I thought was great. Um, they had a lot of just interesting and unique scenes. I really loved the the opening scene where, with the camera angle where it kind of cut from, um, I believe it was Lauren, when she was slitting her neck. It started off the camera, period, it at her ear and it kind of went across her neck. So I thought that was really well done. And there was just other unique camera scenes that I mentioned the the driving Um, scenes too. Yeah. The driving scenes, um, just like some of the upside down scenes I thought were really cool, really unique. I thought, um, was like a signature throughout the movie. Um, some really good sound effects throughout the movie as well. I thought like, to my point, though, the opening scene when she was slitting her neck, there were some crazy sound effects, um, just really weird sound effects, really creepy sound effects throughout. I don't really know what I think is holding this movie back. I don't know what I would change about it. I don't really have any cons that come to mind. Um, I just don't know. But I'm definitely going to give it a high score. I'm going to give this movie a, a 4.2 is where I'm going to land with it.
0: Ah, the old four deuce. That's a good score. That's a good
3: score. Good score. All right, Chris. Definitely,
1: definitely watch again. So, John, I can hopefully convince you a little bit here. Um, I did notice as soon as you mentioned it during your plot synopsis about the mental illness aspect that you you seem to enjoy this movie less than us, and I can sense that coming. I've sensed it coming already. Um, so this movie had very good cinematography, very good camera work, um, like we talked about those upside down shots while driving, just some camera panning and creating some suspense by the camera work. The audio slash score I thought was really well done. You know, I wouldn't say it's anything too spectacular in the sense that, you know, you get your typical eerie string sometimes, some ominous noises, creepy music, stuff like that. So, you know, it wasn't anything out of the box, but it was well done. So I think they deserve the marks for that. Um. I thought the plot and concept was really good. And I will agree with uh, you guys that I think this movie was a little bit longer than it needed, than it needed to be. I, I don't want to always hate on movies for being too long because that could be a good thing. You, you're getting more content and more storyline. But I think there was just kind of a couple of sequences where they're building suspense and it's just basically Rose doing some mundane tasks and you know, small creepy things happening. Or they just kind of show her being – disassociated with what's going on. She's clearly not right. And a lot of them, I shouldn't say a lot, but there were some, some times where it was like, you know, why are they showing us this? It's kind of unnecessary, and they're, I feel like, just kind of wasting time with this. So I would say for a movie, I think was an hour 55 runtime, probably could have been closer to like an hour 30, hour 40. Hour 30 is a little low, so I think like an hour 40, hour 45. Just shaved off a little bit of the fat that they left on this phone. Um I really liked um the how they had the final sequence happen and how they have the demon reach its final form and really reveal itself and the gruesome nature in which it you know takes over rose fully um i really liked it all i came into this movie kind of thinking it was going to be a big box office modern scary movie that which just kind of going to fall flat in my eyes but it really did kind of give me vibes of a hereditary midsummer just uh, a modern classic, and that's a strong word to say, but it's kind of the, the thought I got was, you know, this could be a movie that we could look back on and be like, wow, that was actually really good. And especially since they left it open for a sequel, if they can follow it up with another movie, the franchise that furthers the storyline and, you know, lives up to the, the original, I think that will go a long way for hoping this movie cement itself as, as, you know, a really good modern horror movie. Um, Sauce, so you took my score. Four point two is what I had written down before. I'm sticking with it. Um, that's the same score that I gave Midsummer, and you know I think this movie is deserving of it. I I will say I watched it once, and I watched it actually today, just shortly before we recorded. I will watch it again. I will make sure of that with my seven day free subscription to Paramount Plus. And <laughs> I would recommend anyone out there um, who has an email that they can sign up for Paramount Plus to go ahead and get the, uh, the free trial and watch this movie. So um, that's the long and short of it. And I'm actually, real quick, guys, going to give you my favorite scene. I've got a uh, something coming up, and I'm going to have to to probably miss the end of this episode. I'll let you guys like close it out. But real quick, John, before you go, and I wish I could hear your score, but my favorite scene was the birthday party scene. I won't take the whole scene if somebody wants the actual cat coming out of the box, but I actually like right when she shows up to the house. <laughs> And fucking dumbass Greg is walking out of the kitchen with like a sandwich platter in his hands with like a sandwich in his mouth. And I was like, don't take those out yet." And he just kind of like turns around. I thought that was funny. And obviously, the cat getting being in the present was really good. But those are my thoughts, John. I will, I will be sure to catch what you have to say after the fact here. But I'm going to mute myself and I'm going to be absent for the rest of the episode. Love everybody out Love there, you, Chris. All
0: right.
2: Have a great evening, sir.
0: Chris is. Has- Chris is tapped out. Uh,
2: another thing we didn't mention, too, <laughs> was... Uh, so, as as you're going throughout the movie... So, obviously, like, after the um, the prison visit, when, when she knows she either has to kill someone or kill herself to transfer the demon and, like, get it out of her, obviously. So, like, after that... Well, this isn't after, but, like, you're kind of thinking of who this demon is going to have to transfer to next. Like, the whole movie. And after that birthday yep. scene, obviously the kid is traumatized. How could you not be? That was a disaster that happened there. But you're going through the movie, and then they kind of bring up the kid. Uh, like They kind of just hint at the kid like twice, I think. like The mom mentions him, and then there's that weird scene when she's freaking out in the car and hallucinating as she's leaving. You see the kid peering at her through the window and like looking at his aunt through the window. Right. And at that point, I'm like, I was con- personally, I was convinced that the kid was going to end up with it, and like it was going to come full circle through the family, because like obviously her and like her mom, and then like the sister can't get away from the mental illness, and like the aunt spreads it to her son, and it's just like this whole family mess. I was expecting that, but that did not happen.
0: They never did anything with that no. kid again. I don't know if that right. could be.
2: They were
3: hinting uh, at it, kind of killed off that. It, that's true it could be in the sequel but they like you said Kava, they were hinting at it and then they did nothing with it so that's so so
2: that kind of yep i guess that kind of leads to my score a little bit like that left a little bit to be desired but either way it kind of leaves you guessing though so it does work with the movie as a standalone too you know so
1: well
0: i have a question here for you guys did chris even give us his fucking score
2: yeah, four point
3: two. Yeah, he said it was the same as me. As he said, i oh, took okay. the score right out of his mouth. So we're both at a four point two. Okay,
0: I totally missed that. All right,
3: four. We 4. At a four. That okay.
0: All right. So let me let I'm me round it. this up. Let me round this up here. It up uh, Chris. Chris thinks I could be anywhere on the spectrum right now, and uh, there he All is. It. Have a good night. <laughs> up into the night. <laughs> He's going off. Um, so. Anyways, I I agree with a lot of what you guys said. Your guys' pros and cons line up very well with mine. Um, so what I think this movie does best, I think it executes what it set out to be. I think it did a very good job of saying this is going to be a movie about a monster, and it's going to be it's going to it's going to traumatize. Like it, its whole purpose is to just like traumatize you, and I think that they did a good job of tr- keeping it scary enough and move it. They, they kept moving the plot along at a good enough speed that it worked. I think this movie just did. a. a it, it wasn't the the greatest plot I've ever heard of in, in a lot of ways. There was a lot of other movies in this. Um, these are some movies that maybe you guys haven't seen yet, but people out there might know it follows um there's a lot of that in this movie there's a little bit of lights out in this movie at least the interesting part of lights out is kind of in this movie um the villain itself was actually a really cool concept but also is kind of reminiscent of another movie called it follows and i the one thing that i might knock it for is a little bit of that originality because i think it pulled a lot from modern movies But I think it all works together well and it never feels like it's um, shoehorned or it's not really earning the the impressive things that have been done before. So I think overall, in general, I really like the idea of basically let's use a bunch of modern horror movies that work and kind of combine it into one. Um, I think the monster design at the end was dope as hell like the cgi looks great the effects looked um amazing. him getting yeah. into the mouth i, th- I think the effects were awesome great job on all of that yes they never looked cheap yeah. they always looked good um i think it, it the makeup was great the practical effects if i mean i think they did some practical effects with um that last scene of the monster stepping into her mouth yeah. i'm not sure how much of that was cg but man that looked awesome yeah. that scene the camera work was really cool. Did you notice um, the smiles think for it,
2: CGI too?
0: Yes. I think that is what makes it look particularly um, like something isn't quite right mm-hmm. with a lot of like it these people. Like, right? it, it makes your, right. your brain looks yeah. at it and it's like, that's not yeah, real. very subtle, but um. it stands out. <laughs> You know, I, th- I, th- it I, works. Think, yeah. I think they used Does that like, look right? Yeah, they used the human body, the actor or actress body, but they changed the mm-hmm. face. And I think it works really fucking, fucking well. Um, I thought that gr- the chick from the beginning, Laura, like she was creepy as fuck. That yeah. intro scene was creepy right. as fuck. I liked the fucking, the opening credits was fucking awesome with the effect and like the smile, like, like thumping really hard. Like, I thought that was fucking dope. Like, that had me pretty psyched from the get go. I also came into this expecting sort of a run of the mill, um, sort of lights out spin off, which you can maybe argue it is in plot, but in execution, it is much better than that. Um, the, the things that hold me back, Sauce, I agree with you 100%. I thought the acting of the supporting cast was pretty average. Um, nobody was offensive, but I mean, the sister, I would say was almost bad. I didn't like the way she delivered her lines. Um, what else do I have to say? Um, the ending scene with Joel kind of pissed me off because he understood what was going to happen or how this monster works. And he sat there and pretty much just fucking walked himself right into that trap. And then the movie ended yeah. on that. I wish there was some one other scene that sort of left you like... With your mouth open. Because that ending didn't really impress me. That ending scene. With Joel watching her burn herself alive. Do you alive. think it would be better if um, they,
2: like they left you questioning a bit? If Joel even got the demon? Because you do know he knows. About how it works.
0: I wish this movie ended without Joel going into the house. Or maybe the last scene that we see. Is Joel walking into the house. The door closes. And you hear. Maybe you hear like a match flick. And... You start to see the house go up in flames, or something like that, I, and they left it to the viewers' imagination as to what actually happened in there and what were actually. Well, no, I mean, we watch we watch her burn through his like retina or his like you know yeah. like you kind of watch her reflection be set ablaze, implying that she's fucking dead and he just witnessed it, so it's going on to him. I thought that was kind of not inspiring i i think they could have done better because a lot of this was a lot of this movie was inspiring um a lot of the hallucination scenes i think were particularly some of the best yeah, I agree. um so all those things considered um also i i think I, I maybe you know i just want to give one last shout out to the, the score and the soundtrack because it really enhanced this movie it could have been This movie could have gone a lot of ways depending on how it was executed. If the camera work was a little bit off, if the sound and score was a little bit off, if the creature was a little bit off, I think all the things combined made for a very enjoyable watch. And I think that's all you can kind of ask out of a movie that's in this style. Um, So I'm actually right with you guys. I'm not that much lower. I'm giving this movie uh, a 3.8. I'm definitely on the lower side. I'm 0.4 lower than you, but I'm only 0.2 lower than Convo. Um, but I would recommend this to just about everybody. I, I would too, yeah. Um, I think it's worth a watch.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, I um, like I almost feel bad rating it. I mean, four isn't low, but, like, I almost feel bad rating it a four, but they did kind of fumble the bag at the end when it came to closing out that storyline with Troll, you know.
0: A killer ending to go with a lot of the execution of this movie would have put this over the top yeah, for me. For um, sure.
3: Yeah, yeah. I but agree.
0: It, it's it's still enjoyable. Um, the rewatch value on this, I'm not so sure how you guys feel. Saucy said you would definitely watch it again. I think oh, I yeah. would too. I'd watch um, it again with someone for like the
2: first time. You know? Sure. Yeah, like, I don't know if this sure. is like like go to your theater house and you watch this one day type of movie. It's like, I don't know. Like, it, it was creepy. Like, it was creepy the first time going through. There was good jump scares. It was, it, was, it was enjoyable to watch. So, you know, I don't know. I'd watch it again, though.
0: Right. Sure. Right, yeah. So overall, that puts the uh, the horror fiends crew. Let me get our aggregate score here. Yeah, that puts our our podcast at a four point zero five. So, it's a pretty well, solid score. for Very a movie. good score. The um, puts it in the top, definitely the top five that we've reviewed so far. It actually matches the lighthouse really? aggregate wow. score. So, yeah, I mean. To me, I I, great I think it I think it earned it. I think it did a good job. I just wish that there there is there are a couple scenes in this that could have just really put this over the top and made it awesome and made it like a all time great horror story to tell. But I think the story itself was just not quite as unique. Um, and if it was, it would be probably one of the best movies of the year. Maybe one of the best. Maybe the best horror movie of the year. Um, so that's a very solid endorsement from the Horror Fiends crew. Um, John, would
3: you say best of 2022 that's been released so far this year?
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think there's a whole lot of other new movies that would challenge this from what I've
2: seen. Um, yeah,
3: I think that it takes the cake for me, at least for best that's been released most recently yeah. so far. I would have to agree with yep. that,
2: yeah. And, and John, you did a good job explaining like what I couldn't, like how they, they kind of drew from a bunch of different movies to make this movie but like it's almost it is kind of unique in its own way but like it's not you know
0: i think the concepts yeah. are familiar and they're not new but they 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 executed it in their yeah. own way yeah the execution was weird very sound effects so and camera work yeah so i think it's good i think it used i think this had a bigger budget and i think they used it to its advantage we're, we're here to reward that type of movie. You know, I want to see more of this and less of the fucking lights out.
2: Yeah, raise bullshit. the standard. Sure. scare movies. Right.
0: So, yeah, I mean, now I, I, Kavo, we usually do this first before we do scores. I kind of jumped it, but we will give our favorite scene. Chris, before he fucking skedaddled, did give the his favorite scene to fucking the the birthday party. Um, But I think there's plenty of other good choices out there. So I'll let you get the the next pick. I like the
2: intro. I think it was a really good intro. I like that too. I I think that's a good choice. I think the the transitions were really well done. It left you with questions, but not to the point where you don't know what the heck's going on. Um, Laura was, I I think her actress was phenomenal. And the main character Rose, I think they were both phenomenal um but yeah obviously this podcast is iffy um but yeah like yeah. that opening scene like just watching her little bubble just get completely unhinged like you know like that was just a great intro and then chris mentioned it too how the movie slowed down a little bit after that like i f- i feel like that really works with the movie like it was really tense and kind of gets your heart racing and then like back to normal but then you kind of, it kind of right. starts like seeping in. But I don't know. Like as an intro, I think it was great. I think it did its job, and it was really well filmed.
0: Excellent choice. That was uh, that was one on my on my top priority list. So, Sauce, uh, do you have one that you have
3: ready? I do, um, and definitely Cavo took. If he was going to pick that one, I was going to pick one um, for sure. The opening scene between this. The, the camera work, the the sound effects, um, just a really ki- creepy kill scene. That was just well done. It had me invested from the beginning of the movie. So that was definitely a, a top scene for me, for sure. Uh, maybe one of the best opening scenes, I think, to this point. Um, I know we've had a couple honorable mentions for best opening scene between... Yep. Um, possessor was one of my tops, but that one might take the cake. I'm not sure. Yeah. But if I had to pick another scene for me, um, I would say the, I already mentioned the scene as well, but the, the jump scare with the, the laptop where she's continuing to replay the audio over and over again with Laura killing herself. She just briefly hears her name being said. I just thought that was really well done for a jump scene with the camera work. Um, gets you invested. You know it's coming, but there's still no way to avoid it. And the uh, the jump skirt itself really scared me. So I thought that would be a, a very good mention as well for my favorite scene. I'm gonna pick that one. Jeez. Nice,
0: that's a good one. Yeah, you guys are definitely taking the the all the, the good. The cream of the crop scenes. is gone. Sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's is... all right.
0: I still have a. I still have one that I actually wrote down as uh, as I was taking notes. Was the the sleeper. Ooh. So, I mean, it's not really a sleeper. It, it, it's an important scene in the movie. Um, I'm going back and forth. I'm going to give an honorable mention to that opening credit scene. That shit had me hyped when Smile came on the screen and those credits were thumping away. Like, that got my heart race going. I'm like, all right, let's see what this is all about. Um, It definitely hooked me with that opening scene. So um, Sauce and Kava, like the, the, the setup to the movie just had me hyped. And I think you guys were kind of going along that. I think... Um, there's, I'm gonna give an honorable mention for this one, the the hallucination where, um, Rose is stabbing Carl. It honestly had me fucking laughing because Carl was laughing as he's just getting stabbed and it was just a ridiculous scene
3: carl's just creepy there, too like the fact that he's laughing about it and he's just it's like he's inviting rose to continue to stab her it yeah, i very, mean something is wrong i thought it was well done and just strange so that's definitely a really good i'm glad you picked that one yeah because... that's
0: that's not my favorite but that is certainly a credit to this film and then the dude ripping his own face off um in the style of the Smiley, who does that at the very end when it loses the the mother mask was just I thought that was a cool foreshadow so I'm gonna give that scene some fucking credit that was dope as hell um but I'm gonna go with the the ultimate reveal scene where that monster is just like walk going right into her mouth like I did not think that was what was gonna happen there um
2: right
0: that was dope that was that that was was a really cool because Joel's kicking in the
2: door as that's happening so you're just waiting oh, for yeah. him to to see it because he never really sees any of this stuff at all I don't know if you guys right. noticed that he didn't but see it at all like finally he's right. about to see it and actually believe her so like and the whole reason he's going in there is pretty much because he hasn't seen it and doesn't know what he's really dealing with and he just hears his ex-girlfriend screaming you know like yeah he's going in the door so he goes in there yep. and again there's like nothing so it kind of leaves the audience frustrated you know but it works on another scene too that i don't think we mentioned but it was really creepy um was with the therapist like oh i think chris mentioned it actually that when the therapist came in but it was the hallucination and you like that creepy scene where she's just walking up on her and like pinning her against the wall and everything like that was really well done too it yep. really kind of showed her breathing. Yep, that's worth a shout. Even.
0: Yep. I'll give that a shout. Um, and then uh, lastly, this is, this is my last uh, honorable mansion, but I mentioned this earlier, just the birthday song this is to kind of rip it into Chris's scene a little bit here, but they're all singing their mouths are moving, but we're not hearing that. Um, I don't know. That was just trippy as fuck. And uh, I love me some trippy ass <laughs> scenes in horror movies. That was good. That so was good. that's, that's definitely a worth a shout out. So, all in all, go check this fucking movie out if you haven't yet. It's worth a it's worth a watch. Get Paramount Plus, sign up for the free trial. Watch, watch uh, this movie if you can. Um, have yourself a good time. Have a buddy watch watch it with you. You'll have you'll have fun with this no matter who you are. Um, yep. And um, I think that just about wraps it up, fellas. Are we missing anything, it's awesome. Am I missing any segments?
3: You yeah. didn't do spooks and goofs, John, but I don't know if you want to, since Chris is Oh, yeah. Here, I can do some spooks and goofs real quick. I got it right here. I do have a quick goof. I Since this is my honorable scene, I do want to- Yeah, shout this, it so. out. Um, but for a goof, um, that scene that I mentioned is my favorite scene. So when Rose is reviewing the audio tape of her encounter with Laura, uh, she increases the volume tones. Um, or I'm sorry. She increases the volume tones indicating a change in the volume are heard and a graphical indicator shows it reaching maximum volume level. A few seconds later, somehow the volume increases even further. So even though the volume was at max, they continue to increase the volume, which is a goof, probably something they messed up. But um, the volume is already maxed, and the, the volume keeps getting louder. So
2: Interesting. I, I did not pick up on that. That,
0: that yeah. I, I'm just
2: now realizing,
0: happened in the movie. I can picture it now.
3: Yeah, so kind of something they fucked up with. Not something I mentioned. Kind of um, is a little shot to my my favorite scene, but that's all right. I still thought it was a very well done scene, nonetheless. Yeah,
0: the scene was good enough that you wouldn't really pay attention. I, I, did not no, catch I didn't catch that. Um, nice.
2: right. But that's a good catch.
0: I will hit you guys with the spooky trivia. It's time. So basically, I think you guys all know this. Um, if you're on any type of social media or you're watching any type of sporting events, they had fucking paid actors go out into the crowd and just sit there and smile on camera during a baseball game. Um, they did one on fucking good morning America on ABC. Um, I think they did one. There was one other event. I remember that specifically had people smiling on, but that was a really cool idea. I liked that quite
2: that was, that was a bit. That
0: Um, yeah, that was cool. It's something unique. I definitely got the, some buzz going on. Cause I did see it on Twitter. Um, what else? The title screen doesn't appear until 13 minutes into the film but it comes in with a fucking bang in my opinion. I thought that For was dope. Sure. Um, better than just sticking it right at the beginning. Um, what else? The cursed smile people wear bright pastel colors while Rose wears dark contrasting colors showing the, dis- the difference between happy and sad. That was something I didn't really pick up on. Wow. I guess that's kind of cool. Thanks, Wow.
2: I guess so, yeah. That
0: didn't really blow my cock off, but uh Well, I mean, thanks. like, what happy
2: people would they be talking about?
0: This movie was originally titled Something's Wrong with Rose before being renamed Smile. I think oh, I like God. both of those titles, to be honest with you. I don't
3: like that at all. That's a, I think that's a terrible title for a movie, Something's Wrong with Rose. I don't know. I kind of like, like it. I don't know why. I feel
2: like that's more of, like, a classic-type horror movie title. Yeah, that is definitely right. an oldie. Stuff. I think smile catches a lot more. I think smile was the move because, like, it, obviously in hindsight, I think it encapsulates the movie better. So,
0: yep. Um, and I'll catch you with one last fun fact here, boys. This is something we normally do, um, but I want you to I want you to think about this for a second. Um, oh, hang on, one more. This is also interesting. It was based on a short film called Laura hasn't slept, where they use the same actress as Laura in the short film. So that would actually be an interesting, almost like a prequel concept. I'm kind of interested in what that what that's all about there.
3: Right. That's interesting.
0: Um, Oh yeah, it was cool. Um This actual film is based on a short story by H. G. Wells where a man kills a native man in a rural place and has visions of his grinning head always looking at him wherever he goes and ends up killing himself. This story is officially called The the Polak and the Poro, man. It sounds kind of racist. Ouch. Glad they didn't go with that Ouch. title. Yep. Uh, Sauce, let me get your first guess as to how much you think this was budgeted for.
3: I don't really know. I mean, it's a modern movie, so it's, I mean, in theory, I, I feel like it should cost more. 2022, like they should have more of a budget. They should be pumping more into these movies gather yeah, a lot of attention. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say like 4 million for this movie. Okay.
2: But... Kavo, what are you thinking? Wait, how much did you say? I said 4, 4 million. million. I'm going to say... I'm going to say like 20. 20 mil.
0: Ooh, Kavo, that was a very, very good guess because this movie had a budget of 17 million Ooh, okay so you almost nailed it um but it was originally high. it was yeah, it's a time for what movie. we've reviewed up to this point but that right. is still kind of low in the scale of like modern cinema like budgets um but this was originally supposed to be just a paramount uh streaming release only movie um but because audiences liked it so well they decided to give it a theatrical release only in the United States, and it grossed $22 million on opening weekends, which Paramount's distribution chief said exceeded our wildest expectations. So this movie did quite well for the budget it was given. And I think it... Um, I mean, I was talking earlier, like I thought this was a bigger budget than that. Um, but they did well. I mean, I liked all I the mean, effects of this shit. The value they got
2: was, cool. was great.
0: Yeah, I mean... They, they they did a great job with this one. So, I think that just about does it for spooky trivia. Um, and now we will reveal to you what we'll be covering next week on the pod for Lucky Episode 13. We are throwing it back to a fucking classic movie. This is a definitely one that's in the uh, Hall of Fame of Horror Movies. We are watching Toby Hooper's The Texas Chainsaw Mutters. And this is going to be a, a banger of an episode. I'm excited for you guys to watch it. Uh, Kavo, we are kicking you off the podcast. You are only in here for some Smele. But we will definitely have you back on for another episode, my friend. Oh, we I will, have a marble sure ready to, to go. Thoughts on. Yeah, we have we have a marble locked and loaded with Kavo's there's, name on it. We'll leave that a mystery until it's selected.
3: But, we'll yep. see if the odds are in Kavo's favor again. Sometime soon within the next few Yeah, weeks. I might, I might see you in the here. Sure. at this rate. Right. You never know.
0: That's the Is nature Marvel of the Capital Wild card.
3: His marbles seem to be magnetically drawn to the camera.
2: They're drawn That'll to the camera. The the marbles do.
3: Yes. So go if you have
0: time in the next week or two, go slam Texas Chainsaw Massacre into your eyeballs, shove that shit up your ass, go buy the Blu-ray, plug that shit into your butthole. And go watch that movie. Do you guys have anything else to say on Smiley before we close this one out?
2: Go watch it. It's a very good movie. Yeah, go watch it.
3: That's all I, That's all I got to say. Yeah, You won't be disappointed. You will not be disappointed.
2: Uh,
0: I'm going to speak for Chris and tell you guys, as he always does at the end of every episode, to go fuck yourself. See you next week.